Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We have to put this one to bed and move forward because we still have a heck of an opportunity in front of us, and we've got a doggone good opponent. The Orange Zone, sponsored by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the award-winning Orange Zone podcast. If you're watching from our YouTube page, what's going on from the Skycam? Also, thank you. We just hit past 100 subscribers. So we're talking about the small wins after just starting this page by ourselves uh, a month ago. So happy to be moving forward with that. And thank you for everyone listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Our episodes are released Wednesday. We invite you to like, comment, and subscribe. We're also on the gram. We're, we're on TikTok. Everywhere. We're everywhere. We're feeling pretty good about it. And on this episode, we're getting into UNC. We have the undefeated Tar Heels, the Orange heading down to Chapel Hill as they look to continue this very tough stretch of the ACC season, ACC regular season. I'm Tommy Sladek. We have Samantha Croston. We have Ashley Wenskowski. We have Brendan Hodges on the producer. Mike, James is sick, so we're not going to get to ask him about how his son's game went because that was a very big point of contention last week. We're also not going to get to hear the anger that he probably has when he thinks about this game. So that's definitely something that I want to hear about. Did you get to speak to him at all since the last game? Not too much. I just, I, I can just, you can envi- hear it. I can envision <laughs> yeah. exactly what he's feeling, but how are you guys feeling when it comes to that? Syracuse first loss of the season, lost to Clemson 31 to 14. Uh, but again, coming up in this show, we're getting into the weeds with UNC. We have, North Carolina's play-by-play guy, Jones Angel. Ashley had a great interview with him. We're going to be getting into some trivia, game predictions, all that's coming. But but how are you guys feeling in the moment right now? Yeah, I mean, you were on the field, so what did you see? Um, I think the word to like kind of sum up the Clemson game really was just frustrating. I think that's how a lot of fans feel, too, is like they have the pieces and the talent this year that maybe they didn't have last year, and – That's what all the players even said after the game and this week. Like, they lost that game for themselves. And I think that was clear penalties, turnovers. We've been talking about it all week. But just this – they were so close so many times. Even in that fourth quarter when it was 24-14 – or was it the third quarter? Third, fourth quarter, 24-14, they come within 10. And it really felt like in the dome there was a momentum switch and they just couldn't get it done. Yeah, and it's like – because I do. I remember that moment where all of a sudden there was that – that light, that moment. But honestly, even then, I was like, nah. (laughs) I I really didn't think that they were ever going to win that game. I felt like Clemson had a hold of it the entire way through. And to your point, it just, it really did. It felt like they beat themselves. And it's interesting because from a talent standpoint, even without Aranda Gass and I understand there are some injuries, I do feel like this is, in some ways, a more talented Syracuse, Syracuse team than last year. However, that game against Clemson last year was electric. It yeah. was so fun. It was so exciting. It was so close. So definitely the penalties, and this is something we see every single game, and that's something I I, I want to almost – you know what? I'm actually going to pull Brendan in for a second to ask him something on that. Like, Brendan, you played football. When you have week after week after week a penalty problem, how do you fix that? You run a lot of sprints <laughs> in practice. <laughs> Um, it, Punishment. No, seriously. Like um, discipline in football is an entirely different thing. Like in basketball, it's solely individual. Like you pick up a foul. If you pick up too many fouls, you're out of the game. If in soccer, you pick up a card, it only really affects you for the most part. Um, maybe it affects your team if you get sent off. In football, you get a penalty. You screw your team over because you've made a play, um, possibly, and then you're like, oh, now you're still on the field. First down because uh, a teammate did this. And you win as a team, you lose as a team, you commit penalties as a team, and if you commit too many, you run as a team. And I don't know how Dino does it, but um, with our team at least, like 
it'd be conditioning after practice. If we had some like really bad penalties, thankfully we didn't have too many of those days. But I know um, who was it, Tommy, on Hard Knocks a couple of years ago, where after a preseason game they were running sprints for um, or certain types of sprints for every type of penalty they had. The Rams or something like that. Can't even tell you. But if you're talking about a few years ago, that would match up with the timing wise of when they had their shine and moment on Hard Knocks. But it's um. I mean, the penalties, it's, it's been a thing. It's just been a thing with Syracuse, um, you know, right now and with Dino Babers as head coach, and it, it continues to be an issue. But, again, we've seen so many times, I think, also in the past few years where, yeah, the penalties are the downside, but there's so much upside in the game that you just kind of move past it because it's a, whether it's the physicality of the way they play or whatnot. But this one felt less of the – just into the game and more just the simple mishaps by veteran players that you wouldn't expect. And I think that's why this game stung so badly, probably for, for the, for the coaching staff and for the players and for the fan bases, because they, they knew that they should have and could have played better than this. Absolutely. And I do want to hit on it for a second, just because I'm curious what everyone thinks. The 57 yard field goal attempt at the end of the day, Syracuse was losing that game, but I just want to know what you guys thought about that. Wrong move. He said he said after the game that he's going to have the record by the time he leaves here. I believe that. I think he, I think Denenberg's got a boot. Um, but pre that, he had not tried anything over 50. So to expand and go immediately to 57 when you have a defense that's playing like in and you give them better field position, I think it's just it, it wasn't warranted in the moment. Yeah, I agree with you. That's He took heat for that in the post-game press conference. It was like the first four questions were about that field goal attempt. And, you know, like you said, he said that Denenberg's going to have the record and he can make it, and that's great, like totally, but like maybe that wasn't the time to look for record setting, you know. I almost yeah. would have preferred just fake it. Yeah. Or, or punt it. But I don't know. I felt like against a team like Clemson, you need to pull out all the different stops. You need to try creative things and tricky things. And we did actually see them do that a couple times. Let's shine a quick light on Dan Valari, on this tight end, who mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, that was one of those things. You go away from that game, and even though they lost and there's so many things that could be improved, I think you still have to look at just a couple of the little things that actually did stand out as positive. And to me, that was arguably the biggest one. Well, let's let that be the transition into UNC and weaving back into this previous game because there were a few questions on what Dan's status would be injury-wise with UNC. Has something that has been nagging him, kind of something that ties back to the offseason, and he came out there at player availability on Tuesday. You're probably listening to this Wednesday or later, and he's good to go. He says he's going to be playing. And he is that new weapon that we're seeing. And what I think could be some reliable hands down the field in place of a Ronde Gadsden where it's a target on the field. And if you get the ball in that vicinity, he just seems like a guy that's coming up with it. The alley is no more. Yeah. Love to hear could it. Still be, to hear could it. still be there, but yeah. he's ultimately playing. And, so, and someone asked him, like, so you're treating it almost as – like a, a football player injury, not a quarterback injury. And he's like, exactly. He's like, it's the type <laughs> of thing where you, you're just playing through it. Um, I just, they needed a, a playmaker in that moment. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. found it with him. And it wasn't just his two big catches. It, it wasn't just the catches on that drive. If you watch both of his two plays, which I believe were two catches for 63 yards. Someone check me on that in the comments. I think that was right. But it was where he caught the ball. It was yards after the catch. It was what mm -hmm. they call yak that was most impressive, especially on the touchdown because he just kept fighting. And I asked him about that today, and he gave me one short little quote that I want to hear your thoughts on, on, on the kid from Massapequa here, guys. But he says, every time I touch the ball, I just feel like I have a nose for the end zone. You know what? I'm going to play it for you right off my phone. This is a first for the orange zone. Hold on, folks. Hold on. Bear with me. Every time I touch the ball, I just feel like I have a nose for the end zone, and I just like – I'm going to do whatever the, whatever the hell it takes to get in there. Well, Mentality. first of all, I mean, the kid from Massapequa, you should have led with that. He's a Long Island kid. <laughs> dog alert. <laughs> of course he has dog alert mentality. Duh. Sam's from Long Island, if you can't tell after that Context. one. Context. Long Island, Strong Island. No, I, I, think, I think that's great. I really, I agree. On that touchdown play, that was one of those things where you totally thought that he was going to go down and there was going to be another player or two needed to get into the end zone. And he was like, no, this stops here 
we're going to finish this drive right now. And I thought that showed a lot about the kind of player he is and the kind of kid he is. Not to mention, we don't know. Is he dealing with a little bit of pain? Is he dealing with who knows? But he's saying, I'm going to play through it and I want to be a part of this team's success. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, th- I mean, that's what you want to hear from your receivers, right? That they're going to get to the end zone in any way they have to. But I think he really does bring something refreshing to the Syracuse offense just because he is that former quarterback. They can run some new plays with him. We even saw in the Clemson game a little bit some fake plays, stuff like that. So I think I think he's a good piece moving forward. And a needed piece. It yeah. just it feels needed because at the end of the day, you're not just missing Gadsden, but we've gotten to see a scrap of Trevor Pena and just a little taste of Isaiah Jones. Three guys who otherwise would be starting. So we Mm -hmm. have three starters that are out. And these other guys stepping up in the bigger games, in the bigger moments, you're just going to be facing better defenses. So if you have every piece in there that you possibly can have, and Valar seems to be one of them, it's just one more thing for these other teams to be thinking about. Because UNC, this is an interesting team. 4-0, just had their bye week. And woof. naturally, woof is the exact right reaction if you're a Syracuse <laughs> fan because just getting any team off the bye, you're just like, oh, fresh legs, are you kidding me? And that's exactly what they have. And when you're coming in undefeated like that, you're obviously feeling pretty good about how you're doing. And a big part of this story right now for them is Drake May. So this is a QB that you watch him you see comparisons in terms of draft articles to Josh Allen. He has that funkiness to him of he threw a opposite hand touchdown in the game in the win over Pitt. Hell like, of a looked play. like it was a mm. looked like it was a run play to the outside and he's holding the ball, protecting it. You know, here's the here's the end line, here's the ball, and he just picks it up and just goes like that. It's awkward. It looks kind of hilarious, but he nails it. And so that's the type of player Syracuse is facing, and he loves throwing the ball downfield. It's scary season. I'm not going to lie. Not to mention, outside of everything you just mentioned, it is October, and it's also a game that's played at UNC. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different challenges before Syracuse even steps on the field that they're going against. The fresh legs, the fact that they're undefeated, the fact that there's Drake May, but also this running back. Is it Omarion Hampton? I want to make sure I have that right. Brendan? That's correct. Okay. Um, I like Brendan has a note here. Remember how I said Drake May hasn't thrown many touchdowns? That's probably because Hampton has run for seven, which is second in the ACC. So they also have that weapon. They also have several wide receivers. So one of the best quarterbacks, the second best running back perhaps, and two top ten receivers playing on offense. That's a lot of different things that you need to be aware of. And back to very, very quickly, the last game, that was another thing where I thought, okay, against Clemson, I actually thought Syracuse's defense played pretty well, despite the fact that Clemson put up 31 points. To me, that was that was something I would put in the pro column. But you also need to be able to score against this UNC team, not to mention stopping this really versatile offense. It's a lot to ask, and I, I do think Syracuse on their best day could do it. But I think the question that, I've been asking since that Clemson game is how do we know whether or not they're going to have their best day? Mm. Yeah, something my big takeaway from um, my interview earlier with uh, Jones Angel, who's the voice of the Tar Heels, which we'll hear in a little bit, but he was talking about UNC in comparison to last year. Now, last year they started off nine and one, went to the ACC championship. Finished nine and five, so they had a little bit of fall off there at the end of the season. But still, you're coming out, you're starting nine and one. Drake May is a big part of that. And then he was talking about how this is an even deeper team this year. Like last year, that was Drake May's doing. He led them there kind of on his own. And this year, he has a bunch of more pieces around him, like Hamptons come into his own, stuff like that. So he feels like they're a lot deeper this year. And if you're telling me that a nine and one team to starts deeper this year, that's that's not good. It was, I think we're almost going to see a similar, not similar style, but I think Syracuse is going, got a taste of what May is going to bring a little bit with Kate Klubnick. End of the day, given the flowers to Clemson, the kid balled out. Absolutely. The sophomore, there were so many third down plays that I lost track where they had him, they had him on the ropes. He's on the run. He's flushed out of the pocket and his receivers, credit to them, are moving. They're coming back to the ball. Tyler Brown, the freshman, played outstanding, but Klubnik was hitting his targets, and he had no problem testing it out downfield. We saw on the play right before halftime, Jeremiah Wilson bit 
and boom, it was a wide open. So there's going to be a lot of down-the-field threats. But bringing it back from UNC, looking at Syracuse, I loved this, guys. I was listening to, to Mac Brown, head coach over at UNC. I was listening to his interview, and with it being their bye week, he goes, I actually gave them homework. He's like, they had pens and pencils out, and they were told to watch the Syracuse game and come with notes. And when we were going over our notes on whether it was Sunday or Monday on um, what we saw in the game, he's like, I kept having to remind them. He goes, the score was not the story of that game. And it's something that we all felt the same way. Mm. He goes, there were 21 points off of turnovers. He's like, you take that away. He's like, that is, he's like, that is not a score that tells how the game goes. And I thought that was a very important point because he, they're looking at that and he's saying that as to not say you can't overlook Syracuse. It's still a four and one good team. And honestly, I mean, I, I agree with that because I feel like in in reading some of the threads and some of the tweets and watching, you know, whatever else, all different sorts of media after this Clemson game, I felt like so many people's anger did not stem from the fact that Clemson is straight up a better team than Syracuse. Which we've which we've been able to say plenty of times in That's past. exactly yeah. my point. There have been so many different kinds of losses against Clemson in this one in ten record in the ACC. But the point is if the, if this Syracuse team played Clemson 10 times or 100 times, it's not like Clemson would win 10 times or 100 times. It's just you get to play them once, and that's what they brought to the table, and it wasn't enough. I think Syracuse fans are angry because they think that this team has more potential. And you even said this in the beginning when we are talking about our predictions, and I always go back to this. Every team has its floor and its ceiling. I really like that phrase. Where is Syracuse going to be in that? You know, what are we going to actually see? I think, I think this is still a team that could grab eight or nine wins. At the same time, this is a team that could grab six or seven. You know, it's just going to be a matter of that's, I guess, why they have that mindset of, listen, you just can't dwell on this for too long because there are two huge, massive, challenging games coming up. Tommy said it best last week. When he said college oh, thank football you, was Brady. actually, Hold on. let me soak in this moment. Say that again. You know what? I'm gonna put myself on camera. I believe with you, you said. Tommy. I believe you said Tommy <laughs> said it best last week. Shut up. Look, Whoa. Look, Tommy said it best last week. I mean, week. what a moment. Okay. I used this quote in our. All right, I soaked picks. it in. Go ahead. I used this quote in our picks article, and this is something that I agreed with with Tommy last week. College football, especially, comes down to little details. SU was not buttoned up on little details last week when it came to penalties, when it came to holding on to the ball, mm. when it came to game management even. I remember Tom and I were talking mm-hmm. to one of our coworkers today, and he was just ragging on the way that game was managed from a coaching perspective. <laughs> what does that then do over the course of the following week? SU was a bad taste in their mouth. I know UNC is off a bye, but SU is now like urgency. Let's fix it. Right now, we don't have two weeks to think about this. We have, what, maybe four days because going to be off one of these days, you'd think, to travel and that extra day to travel. Like It's it's a new sense of urgency. It's a hard reset, and, you know, maybe it's not the worst thing that they weren't as buttoned up against a team that we all thought was, A, the best 2-2 two and two team in the nation, and, B, probably a more talented team than a Syracuse. You can almost take a page out of Clemson's playbook, right? Going back to their week one game against Duke, on paper, I think that was what twenty-eight to seven was the final score in that. I'm going to double check that right That's now. That's correct. Okay, thank you. Um, and turnovers in the red zone. It wasn't even like it, it was worse. It was a worse situation for them with how they were turning over the ball. But they came out those next two games and just played and just destroyed the teams they were playing. Granted, they were lower division one teams, but I think you're right. There is a different approach to Syracuse going into the Clemson game than going into this UNC game because of how that finished out. Because I think there's a little bit of anger. I think they're a little bit more pissed off. And frankly, they should be. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think this whole season, and I've kind of been saying this all along, comes down to if they can control the slide. Not that we should just label UNC and Florida State the week after as losses, right? That would be negative. But Mm -hmm. I think if they do come out with three losses in a row from that, or even just coming out of this Clemson game, it's going to be two challenges, right? UNC and Florida State. That's undisputable, pretty much. I think the rest of the year and their record going forward comes down to if they can come out of these challenges, even if they come out of losses, with still limiting injuries, still a positive mentality moving forward towards the back end of the season. Because if they dwell on these losses, like Dino Babers was saying, it's just, it's a, it's a slide. I agree. And I think, I mean, 
Well, I, I love I love Brendan's point too. I think you should write a book, Brendan, called "The Little Things Make the Big Things." A book by Brendan Hodges. You you were already telling me about the show on Hulu called "A Million Little Things." So I think this whole <laughs> Listen, label is stolen. The little things make the big things is not just true about football. That's true about life. Yeah. Okay. Dang. Life podcast now. Oh, wisdom. Right. Always always Samantha a one, Cross. The, the Samantha mm-hmm. Cross in one line quote <laughs> mm-hmm. happens pretty frequently. Um, but I, I do, I, I agree with all that. And I think, I don't know, just zooming out even further. I just, I, I wish that sometimes we could have like thousands of Syracuse fans in here and just see how a, a wide range of people are feeling because I agree with that and, and that mindset for the rest of the season and moving forward. But I just wonder if in the next year, in the next five years, even in the next 10 years, could this be a team that instead of being good is great? Like, could this be a, a team that has 10 or 11 wins or, or plays in the college football playoffs? Like, is that a possibility, do you think? How long was that time frame again? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I, I... Five years, 10 years. I, I want to know if this could be a great franchise. I mean, it, it, I think there's going to be moving variables that completely impacts whether or not that can happen. I'm always going to say yes. I've seen like we've seen crazy things happen in college football. Teams that you would never imagine get to a New Year's Six Bowl that find their way in. It's the right coach. It's the right support around the program, especially now with NIL. I mean, you got to have you got to have that foundation there. You have to have the facilities, which the ground was just dug mm-hmm. up to start that. Syracuse geographically is in a disadvantage. You're in yes. a disadvantage being in Central New York. You have to make up for that, and you make up for that by creating a culture around a team. The players, the coaches, the fans, the city, everything else needs to be bought in to make a disadvantage an advantage and put yourself out there as just a place on the map that sticks out, even though you're in upstate New York. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, like you said, it's recruiting. It's a whole ton of things now with NIL. But I just think moving forward to kind of bring it back to this year, like it is time to sweat the small stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's what I said yesterday. Like just with penalties and with it's time to clean that stuff up because you're never going to be great, like you said, if you continuously excuse the small stuff. And make the same mistakes. I'm happy that you said penalties because that really is – the biggest thing on my mind and the reason why is because like just because there's the same problem every single week doesn't make it okay right it just starts to feel normal and it feels like something you can overlook some of the time because they make up for it in other ways but this to me feels like one of the most fixable problems like back to what Brendan said like this is a discipline problem some of these things and I even listen I agree that that the penalty on Marlo Wax was a bit of a soft call but But why even put yourself in a situation to have that happen if that was me like as a former athlete I would feel like I would want to hold myself accountable I'd be like this like uh, it's on me like I'm sorry it's my fault like and I think that that's something that that should come from the top down of and a I, culture I think of, it is. And, I, and I, I'm sure it does. I'm not saying that it doesn't. I'm saying I think that, that when that comes from the top down, everybody feels the same way of this is an accountability piece here. And I almost like the fact, to Brendan's point, that when you get a penalty, the entire team is, is penalized. And that's how you know this is a problem with everybody. It, yeah. it impacts everybody. Well, I think it's a little frustrating for fans. Like Dino Babers keeps such a positive mantra, and that's great. That goes filters down through manifests itself in so many positive ways. But even post-game, he was asked about it after Clemson, and he said he just kind of said, like, penalties are part of the game. And they are part of the game, but they're more a part of his team's game than almost every other team in the country. I mean, Syracuse ranks, I don't know the number, but it's very, very bad nationally in penalties. So it is something you have to clean up. End of the day, this, this is a team that can still be 9-3. and three. This is a team that that last year it felt like getting to the bowl game was the win, even though you had the way it happened was a little bit awkward in the slide and the penalties, and it all made it a little bit of a different story. But the 7-5, and five, the 7-6, and six, it's not it this year. And I think it's not like I don't think people are fine with that because they know the potential is past that. Beginning of last year, that that was that was where people people would have loved to have been there because again you had a had a winning season in a few years. This feels like it goes beyond that, but to get to that, things need to be cleaned up, 
and the little things need to happen. And ultimately, they just need to be a little bit more clicking. But um, UNC-wise, let's get tossing right over to Jones. Ashley, I'll let you do the honors. <laughs> All right. Um, I spoke with Jones Angel, voice of the Tar Heels, and he had a lot of good things to say, a lot of great insight about UNC going into this weekend. Take a listen. Voice of the Tar Heel, Syracuse football's Week 5 opponent, Jones Angel. Jones, it's great to have you with us. Well, Ashley, thanks so much for having me on and really excited for this weekend. Two teams that have played really well here at the beginning of the year. I know Syracuse was disappointed with what happened last week, but I, I didn't even think that game, the final score didn't really tell how close that game was. A couple of turnovers obviously hurt the Orange in that one, but uh, I think two teams that have played well and uh, two teams that feel good about what they've done so far. That is what I've been saying all week, that Syracuse-Clemson game. The score didn't reflect it, but yeah, it's the race to five wins. The Tar Heels coming off their mm. bye week 4-0, Syracuse with a 4-1 and record. So let's get into it. Take me through your takeaways from UNC through their four, first four games of the season. Yeah, actually, it's been a good start to the year uh, for Carolina. You know, I feel like the Tar Heels have played a pretty uh, difficult schedule. You know, they started with South Carolina in a neutral site game in Charlotte. That was a big game. For Carolina, the the Tar Heels remember at one point last year they were nine and one, um, and they had won the Coastal Division at that point. Back when the the league still had divisions, and yeah, they Mac Brown has said that he felt like his team relaxed a little bit and and just felt like it had achieved what it needed to achieve. And um, when you look back, then the Tar Heels end up losing a couple home games to Georgia Tech and NC State, two teams last year that I think the Tar Heels were better than and especially playing at home, games that you expect to win. Uh, the They lost to Clemson in the ACC championship game in a game that got away from them in the final quarter and then lost a really competitive bowl game against Oregon to close the year. So that that was 9-1 and one to 9-5 and five, um, over the final four games of the season. So clearly not the way the Tar Heels wanted to end it. So that opening game against South Carolina was an important one for them to try to feel like they had gotten back moving in the right direction against a, an impressive opponent on a neutral site, big game, game day was there, all those different things. So uh, a really quality start to the year for them. Um, then they played Appalachian State. It, it's a team that uh, it's traditionally makes it difficult uh, no matter who they are playing. Uh, I didn't think Carolina played very well that particular day, but they were able to figure out a way to win it. And then after that, uh, Minnesota, a power, another power five opponent um, that was at home and then a road game at Pittsburgh, um, which is always a difficult trip. I know the Panthers haven't had the type of year they want to this point, but good physical team um, and one that always makes it a challenge. So to have not just that 4-0 start, and it's the first 4-0 start since 1997 for Carolina, but to do it against high quality opponents. Uh, a conference opponent, two power five non-conference opponents, and then another non-conference opponent um, that is an in-state group of five team that's always going to make it difficult. So I feel like the Tar Heels have not just won, they've done so against quality teams, and, and they feel like they really know who they are at this point of the year as now they jump mostly into nothing but conference play um, with one FCS opponent in there as well, but mostly uh, nothing but conference play here moving forward. Now, as you mentioned, jumping into the heart of their schedule into conference play, much like Syracuse is doing in October, what do you think this team is now that you've seen them through four weeks? That's a great question. I, I think it's a much more balanced team than Carolina has had uh, these last couple of seasons. And um, the, and I mean that in a couple of different ways. One is, is just the obvious pass-run balance. You know, Carolina has not felt like it's been able to run the football very effectively the last couple of seasons. Um, that in 2019 and 2020, um, Carolina really did have a, a very balanced attack. They had Sam Howell as their quarterback at the time, but um, they also ran the ball well, and they did so because they had really good running backs. You know, Michael Carter, who's on the Jets now, Javante Williams, who's a starter for the Broncos. They had both those guys in the backfield, um, and they were able to, to really effectively hurt the opposition, both on the ground or through the air. And in fact, the last time Syracuse and Carolina played, you saw that. The Tar Heels were able to run effectively, particularly as that game moved on. Javante Williams had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter of that game. But they felt like the last couple of years that that balance had moved away. And, and without that quality rushing attack, they felt like they lost some physicality. Um, they weren't as good as they wanted to be in the red zone offensively. And so that was a real focus for them in the offseason 
was to recommit to being able to run the football and to be a little more physical uh, in that aspect of the game and hope that that would then translate to the rest of the team. So it, you have seen that this year, particularly in the first two games, South Carolina and Appalachian State. It hasn't shown up as much against Minnesota and Pitt because I think both those teams really focused on stopping Carolina on the ground. And the great news for the Tar Heels is if you do that, they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Drake May. And so to have that balance offensively, I think, has been a big benefit. And then Carolina has been better defensively. They haven't made quite the jump that Syracuse has made with Rocky Long there as, as the new defensive coordinator. Um, but the Tar Heels have made some strides, both statistically and just watching them play. Uh, they're, they're just uh, You can just tell they're better. They're, they're in position more. They tackle better. Um, the, the stats are better. They've handled sudden change really well, um, not giving up uh, big plays after a mistake, uh, a turnover, an onside kick that the opposition recovered. So it is a much more, in my opinion, Ashley, a much more complete team. Um, Carolina won a, uh, those nine games last year on the strength of the fact that Drake May was an incredible quarterback. This year, they're 4-0 on the strength that they can do a lot of different things. And, and having Drake May as a part of that is obviously huge. Um, but not having to solely rely on him, I think, has been a big benefit for the Heels. Of course. Now, when you think about their floor and their ceiling this season, do you think they could get back to that ACC championship game? Is that something that's, you know, you think is in their future? And do you think the college football playoff is in the conversation for them this early on? You know, that's it. That's a that's a difficult one to answer this early in the year. I think the ACC championship game is certainly an attainable goal for Carolina. I, I think it is also, of course, worth noting that it's harder to get there now uh, with the divisions being removed. Um, there's just a little more variables that go into it. For example, Louisville, as you and I are talking, is still undefeated. Well, Carolina doesn't play Louisville. Their schedules are not real comparable as far as strength of schedule in the league, but there's nothing Tar Heels can do about that. And it was a little more uniform, I think, when you had divisions, because you at least knew your division champion will have, would have played everybody else within that division. There, there right. was still some variability as far as who you were playing on the other side, but those schedules now are, are just a lot different. And so, of course, all you can do is take care of yourself. Um, and Carolina has some challenging games in conference this weekend, being, of course, at the front of the line against Syracuse. But they also host Miami next week. Uh, they have Duke coming up later in the year. They go to Clemson. They go to NC State. Um, so they're, And they go to Georgia Tech, which has traditionally been a difficult trip. Uh, we also have Virginia at home. So there are some still big challenges, certainly, um, on down the road. But I do think Carolina feels like it has a team that is capable of competing for an ACC championship. And they feel that way, actually, because they've got a really good quarterback. Uh, their defense is older and has taken those strides that we talked about. And, and they feel like they have multiple weapons offensively. So um, will it happen? Hard to know. Um, but I think Carolina feels like it has a team that can do it. Now you're talking about Drake May and how much that he is a driving part of this team. But you mentioned that, you know, they're a little bit more multifaceted this year because they have those deeper pieces around him. Regardless of that, how have you seen him progress this season? He's just a more mature player. And that is in no way to suggest that he was immature last year. It's just you can tell that he has a full season of starting now under his belt. And, and I think he's just more confident and comfortable in what he is doing. And yeah, Carolina also, I, I think some of that stuff that we talked about, having a more consistent run game, that makes it easier for Drake May. It's harder to defend Carolina because you you know that he, you don't know that, you know, he's going to be throwing every down, which you may have known at some points uh, last season. And so um, I think the, the total team effort has helped Drake. And just the fact that he does have that experience now um, starting at this level. The, the physical gifts have not changed. And, and that's what was so impressive about him a year ago is that you saw the accuracy. You saw the big arm. You saw the ability to run and, and how effective that was and, and what a big part of that uh, of Carolina's offense that could be. Um, you, you saw all the, the competitiveness. You, you saw all that stuff. And none of that has changed. He's just a, a year older, 
and he's got a better, more complete team around him. And so with all those different things, um, the, the stats aren't quite as impressive because Carolina doesn't need them to be as impressive. And actually, that's the thing. I've, I've said this. There have been some Tar Heel fans that, you know, I've said, you know, why isn't he throwing for enough touchdowns? He said, well, you know, the Tar Heels are 4-0 and, 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 you know, rushed for 300 and some odd yards against Appalachian State. Carolina, there's going to be games that Carolina is going to need Drake May to throw for five touchdowns and 475 yards. Um, but if you can reduce the number of games that you need like that from him, uh, that's a much better thing for the team as, as a whole. Absolutely. Now, it is sold out this weekend already down in Carolina. The Tar Heels, they're great on the road, right? They have a great road record through the past few seasons, but they get to be at home this weekend. How is that sold out atmosphere really going to help them in this one? Yeah, I do think there's some momentum right now uh, for Carolina. And actually, very honestly, I think a lot of Tar Heel fans were in a bit of a wait and see mode at the beginning of this year because of the way that last season ended. And whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But Carolina did win the division for just the second time. They won nine games for the first time or just the second time since the late 1990s. So, I mean, they they accomplished some things a year ago. But with the way that it closed, I think there was so much frustration about those final four games of the season, particularly those couple of games at home at the end of the regular season uh, against some teams that, that I mentioned. I think the Tar Heels were better than last year. So I do think there was a little bit of show me um, from Carolina fans. And um, that's why that South Carolina game was so important for the Tar Heels at the beginning is that it did show against an SEC opponent uh, in a big time stage that Carolina was uh, ready to uh, try to have some success this year. And so uh, the Tar Heels have been at home. This will be their third home game of the first five. The, the previous two have been terrific atmospheres uh, with Appalachian State and Minnesota being the previous two home games. Um, the crowd has made a difference, I think, for the Tar Heels, particularly in that Appalachian State game. And so, uh, yeah, of course, you, you're, you're always better at home, right? It's always more comfortable. Uh, you have that energy behind you. Um, you have the noise that can hopefully uh, disrupt the opposition. And so uh, certainly Carolina is excited to, to not just be home this week, but this starts a three-game homestand for them, all against conference opponents and what's a really important stretch. And so they're certainly excited to be in Chapel Hill this Saturday and, and the next couple of weeks as well. Absolutely. I'm sure it's going to be a great environment this weekend. Last couple of things for you. What are the Tar Heels keys to the game if they're going to pull this one out against Syracuse? Well, I think always when you're going uh, against a Rocky Long defense, you, you have to make sure that you're the assignment sound up front and that you protect your quarterback as best you can. You, you know that Syracuse is going to be aggressive defensively. You, you know that they are going to bring extra guys and they're, they're going to make it uh, as disruptive as possible um, from their defensive side of things. And so for Carolina, you've got to be sound. You've got to pick up those guys and you've got to take advantage because to do that, you're also leaving the receivers in a little bit more one-on-one -on -one action and, and you've got to take advantage of that. And so I think for the Tar Heels offensively, it's finding, it's mitigating how much you can of Syracuse's aggressiveness and then finding the advantage that you have uh, because Syracuse is aggressive. Then flip that around. And man, Garrett Schrader's just been so impressive. Um, I just feel like he is really uh, coming to his own now as an older player as well and uh, managing the game. And sometimes that sounds bad. And I don't mean it that way. I mean, he's managing what they're asking him to do so well, distributing the ball. And I know there's been some injuries at the skill positions, but you know, managing the the where the ball goes, getting different guys involved. And of course, his ability to run. I mean, he's so big and to be able to run like he can um, is always a challenge. And so um, from that side of the game, Ashley, I, I do think it's trying to find a way to make Schrader uncomfortable um, as best you can. That's hard to do, uh, but make him uncomfortable and, and make him just take that extra second or two to say, hey, is this what I'm really seeing here or is this the right move here? Um, and hopefully that gives you an advantage on the defensive side. All right. Well, thank you so much. That's that's great. It was a pleasure to have you on here. Um, Jones Angel, voice of the Tar Heels, talking some Syracuse UNC football. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate uh, the time and, and always look forward to these games, both in football and, and basketball when Carolina and Syracuse get together. So many great folks up in the Syracuse area. So uh, looking forward to seeing some of this, uh, some of them this weekend and uh, looking forward to the game coming up on Saturday. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, that was Jones Angel, voice of the UNC Tar Heels. Guys, my biggest takeaway from that that he was talking about was really the keys to the game for UNC, 14th ranked team in the country, what it's going to take for them to come out and beat Syracuse. And he talked about the Rocky Long defense for longer than he talked about stopping Garrett Schrader. Now, every team has to stop Garrett Schrader. We know this with his legs, with his arm. But he talked about that, that Rocky Long defense as being much improved and a threat for sure. The 3-3-5 creates an interesting situation because mm-hmm. it forces a lot of quarterbacks into trying to test them downfield. We know in the Syracuse secondary that they have some dogs back there. We know Justin Barron maybe got a little bit banged up. I spoke with Miles Farmer today. Uh, you know, Came in as a backup, forced that fumble in the fourth quarter that Jaden Bellamy picked up. So he's having some big moments. He's a transfer from Nebraska. So regardless of who's back there, they're going to get tested. And I think it's going to be interesting. Also, Jones Angel, like coolest name ever, dude. Psych like name. Made, Psych I mean, made for TV. Yeah. Yeah. But especially, I, I love it when, when you get to do an interview with a play-by-play person specifically. Yeah. Because you know this is somebody who is deeply studying the team inside and out, has to know everything about everything. So to see that his takeaway is this defense has a bunch of dogs on it, I think that's a huge credit to Rocky Long. Big time. All right, game predictions. You guys ready for this thing? Let's do it. Does anyone want to start us off? Let's take a look at some of the... Uh, Things that we have here, some of the records. Any anybody have the spread on this game, or we don't have that this time around? North Carolina favored by Syracuse, eight point five. Okay. That's what Brendan's seeing. I yeah. think that that feels right. I think that feels right. Um, Tommy four and one this season. Samantha three and one. Ashley three and one. James four and one. Two and two against the spread. Two and one against the spread. Ashley one and two against the spread. And James two and two. So all all around, I think where we thought we were, and we got. We got hosed last week, uh, basically the short end of that. <laughs> once, um, once Brendan last week said he thought that Syracuse could I knew win we that were game. Done. No, I should have changed my prediction. I only said that because they were at home. That's the only reason. You jinxed us. I didn't jinx anything. <laughs> if anything, Tommy screwed Munger out of a trivia question. Oh, no, we don't need to go into that. Wait, I said watch the tape. I didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know what? You guys ready? Prediction wise, prediction wise, yeah, yeah, I think we're 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 ready to go here. You want to let it rip, or you want me to start us off? Yeah, I think you okay. should. I think you should let it rip. All right, so this one again, I think a little bit of pride came came into my prediction last week. Um, you know, I had Syracuse beating Clemson beginning of the year. I wanted to hold true to that, and I believe that was again. I, even looking back at, it, I think it was a great opportunity for them to get a big win at home. Granted, Clemson's front seven, the the D line, the linebackers were incredible and I think they are some of the best in the country UNC I don't see as having as strong as a of a defense so I do think if Syracuse if we start to get some efficiency downfield which we have not seen this season part of that's kind of the Aranda Gadsden effect if Damian Alford gets involved Don Brown maybe Trevor Payne is back who knows but the ball needs to be going downfield I know LaQuinn will be able to do it at the same time I think Syracuse's defense plays very well but Drake May is going to have his moments. I'm putting this one as North Carolina 28, Syracuse 24. I could see this going either way, but I think Syracuse covers. Okay. Okay. I, I had my my thought of where I wanted to go before you predicted, so I'm happy I did that. But I think that after what I saw last week, I think that Syracuse's defense is great. But there is Drake May, and there are all these other weapons. And we just heard from Ashley's interview the the depth that this team has compared to last year. And because of that, because of the bye week, because UNC is undefeated, and because the game is at UNC, I think that UNC is going to win this game. I think the score is going to be something to the effect of 27-14. to 14. I don't think Syracuse is going to cover. I think that their offense – could potentially continue to struggle Mm -hmm. considering all of the things that I just previously mentioned. So because of that, and because I always say I was going to bet on Syracuse until I have a reason not to, I have a reason not to now. (laughs) So I'm going to bet against them, and I'm going to see if 
that works out for me as far as my predictions or not. Pretty valid reason to bet against them. I mean, come on now, <laughs> listen. Got to go with my gut on this. How about you, Ash? I'm going UNC 35, Syracuse 28. I don't know. I'm feeling close to the spread on this one. You I like think a shootout. I like a shootout. I think it will be a shootout with Drake May. But I think one of the biggest things, like you were talking about before, is Garrett Schrader has to look downfield if Syracuse has a fighting shot in this game. And one of the biggest pieces to Schrader looking downfield is not only those receivers, but it's the O-line. I felt it's like down. in that Clemson game, he had like – six seconds to get rid of the ball like he had no time to get rid of the ball or even make a decision to run so I feel like that's going to be a big one in this game if he's really pressured by that UNC defense and whether the O-line can can give him enough time in the pocket or not one one positive and I, I completely agree with you on that I don't think it's completely there but at, on, at first I was like okay they gave up five sacks and he really had no time I'm like was this a really bad game for the O-line it wasn't until I rewatched and kind of reminded myself that they're already in this plug-and-play situation right because of injuries and stuff but at the same time Kalen Ellis who really hasn't played too much this season was able to step in there for a bit uh and you have this little bit of like miss like mix and matching happening on that O-line mm -hmm. that tells me that there's some depth here that maybe I didn't realize. Like in years past, it's kind of like it's that front five, and once one goes down, you really notice it. So I think this is an offensive line that's going to come together more and more the more you guys are used to playing alongside each other and who's next to your shoulder. So I think that is something that we could see really improve. But do I think that's ready to happen against North Carolina? No, I don't. Um if only this team could have an O-line like the Eagles. O-line like the birds. <laughs> Gosh, they're good. Man, oh man. At least I have that in my life. I know, that was that must have been an exciting way for you to at least end the weekend. You know what's crazy? Yeah, it was it was pretty great. Uh, Brendan's an Eagles fan as well. Brendan, you got a little prediction for this game? I have a couple of things I just want to mention uh, in passing, if you'll allow it. Uh, so Time-wise, we, we're, we're short on time. So I understand. Quick. I think running backs will play a big role in this game. I think because SU likes to bring pressure, Drake May will finally get the running backs into the passing game. Got it. And Justin Barron is going to play a huge role too because he's a big open field tackle guy. Yeah, is he hurt? By the way, I, I he hope didn't... he's healthy. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. We don't know what the thing <laughs> is, but it's like. a thing. So we're it's gonna find. Thing. So we're gonna find out. But... but also, by the way, UNC has given up over 100 rushing yards to everybody except South Carolina in Week One. So keep an eye on LaQuint Allen to potentially have a good game along with Garrett Schrader. That's in the a good game. sign. I think we could see a little bit more of Jamon Price too. Uh, I'll take. Um, North Carolina went on a late field goal, 28 20, uh, 27-24. Okay, so Syracuse wins. Um, <laughs> Trivia-wise, just playing. But seriously, though, if that happens this go-around, we got to really we be thinking. We need to split it up from now on. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, we really got to be thinking. I was debating strategy, this because of the whole, like, UNC off a of bye, Syracuse bad taste in their mouth. I was, like... I don't was, get me wrong. I, I was debating it. I think Syracuse could win this game. I do, too. But some, prediction-wise... I don't think they will, but I think they could. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually feel like sometimes a bye week is actually bad. Like you have too much time off of the field and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what's going on? It kind of We've messes seen up that the rhythm. Yeah. I felt that happen. I have lived that happening. I was like, oh. But I've lived it. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I still think UNC has this one in the bag. We'll and that, that's the thing that I'm sure we're going to be talking about in a few weeks. But if Syracuse goes and loses to North Carolina and loses to Florida State, there's going to be some people freaking out. And I want to remind them that yes. these are really, really good teams yep so keep that in mind moving forward brendan trivia and then we're out of here all right guys trivia today which program has had more first round draft picks north carolina football or syracuse men's basketball <laughs> north carolina football or syracuse men's basketball well, you know, these are it's two a, kind of schools the way, we usually talk about By the basketball. way, with your answer, I would like the difference between the two. You get a bonus point if you get the difference right. Wait, so you said North Carolina football? And Syracuse men's basketball. It's a Brennan question. They're tied. Final answer. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I don't know enough about North Carolina football history to make that call. They've had their moments. They've had moments of not so good. Hmm. I'll go Syracuse basketball by two. It's close. 
I think I'm going North Carolina football. Okay. I have nothing to back that up, but it's a feeling I have. <laughs> I have Syracuse. Do you, I, have Syracuse. I normally get trivia wrong, so you first probably, you round do wise, that. first round wise, I have Syracuse basketball, men's basketball. Do we have differences football. for uh, Mr. Sladek and uh, Miss Winskowski? Differences? Yeah, like difference in how many? <laughs> um, like Sam said, two, I said two in favor of Syracuse. I think it could be like how many more do you think? I think it could be like seven. I'm going four. Granted, like Syracuse, I think some people might expect there to be more first round picks, but not always the case with those programs. Very Stand good players, alone, Ashley. First... I have a good feeling. <laughs> what do you got for us, Brendan? Syracuse men's basketball has had 24 first round picks. One more than North Carolina football. Wow. wow. Some notable names from the Tar Heels Lawrence Taylor, Julius Peppers, LT. And there are others that I can't remember off the top of my head. Those are really the two. Oh, and um, um, what's his name? I have faith in you, but I hope you have this one right. Because people are going to be coming it's for r- you <laughs> if this number is wrong. Dude, dude, I checked this three times. <laughs> I am good. If not, prepare to get And roasted. guess what? Yeah. Yes. Tommy already roasted somebody in the comments from Purdue because they thought our question was wrong. No, you just didn't listen to the question it right. It was a tricky question. It was a tricky question in their defense. But you're right. They, you, were, you were right all along in that one. I always am. Final thoughts. Final thoughts is I think that we should get Brendan a T-shirt. On the front, it says the orange zone. On the back, it says listen to the question. Oh, okay. That's all I got. What about just like – As far as Syracuse football? He's like, what about the game? Yeah. No, listen, I think – No, I was saying like more like villain, just villain on the back. Oh, like like in my my villain era, it's not a phase. It's not like that. Yeah. Um, It feels trendy. Little things make the big things. Sweat the small stuff. Right. Nice. I like okay. these a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, like honestly, all four of us maybe should. Let's start workshopping some, some shirts. Yeah. 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 We'll yeah. workshop some ideas. Come back around to Final it. Final thoughts on the game though, or this team vibes? You go. You were. I mean, out, outside of outside of the t-shirts that we're gonna come up with, mm-hmm. I. My my final thought to your point, I do think as far as managing emotions for the fans, for the viewers, for everybody who cares about this team. It is a long game, and it is a long season, and there is a long ways left to go. I think if you are going to judge it and you are going to make certain assumptions or you're just going to make certain realizations, of course we're going to talk about it every single week because that's our job, and we want other people to talk about it too. But I think that you should wait until the very end of the season to really see exactly how it all played out and which games they won and which games they lost. They lost to Clemson. It was an ugly loss. It should have been closer. It doesn't mean that that's how the rest of the season is going to go. I'm going with what I said earlier with the whole control the slide thing, but I don't mean that you're saying that from like a, you know, fans perspective. And I totally agree with you on that as well. But I think like Syracuse football needs to manage the slide. If you lose to UNC and you lose to Florida state, okay, make those competitive games, control injuries. Like you can't let Garrett Trader get hit, get sacked five times a game and get hit constantly. And you have to go into the rest of the schedule with an optimistic outlook, because like you said, they could still go nine and three, even if they lose the next two games. So control the slide internally and work on the little things work on those penalties bang bang that's the orange zone podcast thank you for liking thank you for subscribing thank you to billy whitaker cars and trucks appreciate you billy thank you everyone for listening and watching we will be back next week peace